Good evening and welcome back to another episode of Please Call Me Crazy, brought to you by Free People Radio and powered by our favorite sponsor, TireGit.com. That's TireGit.com. You have to buy tires from somebody, you might as well buy them from us, help fund the movement, help support the movement. We believe in the freedom of movement, and that's exactly what the establishment wants to take from you now. I am your host, Royce White, here in the belly of the beast, Minneapolis, Minnesota, for episode 108. Today we have another incredible family and friends guest episode. Joining us in the studio is none other than the great Professor Penn from the Professor Penn Podcast. If you haven't subscribed to the Professor Penn Podcast, make sure you go and do that. Professor Penn Podcast airs on Tuesdays and Thursday nights now at 9 p.m. Central, but soon to be 7.30 p.m. Central to stay off the runway for myself in case I decide to drop in on a Tuesday or Thursday night. You can catch both, all right? Sorry about that. Um, thanks for being back with us, Professor Penn. I thanks for having it. me back. Nobody better to bring in the studio after this weekend's events. War in Israel. I mean, war in Israel always provokes the, the, the fundamental conversation about all geopolitics, past and present. Kind of rounds up the herd, doesn't it? Absolutely. And, you know, I, I filmed a podcast this morning for all of you who are going to see it tomorrow. I, I've already filmed the podcast and my film ran out. I had a full hard drive, which happens sometimes, but you get about 33 minutes of the, the spirit of what's going on and the rest will be audio. They'll see it tomorrow or maybe the next day. I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll run it uh, one of these days here in the future. Um, but I just started off in the podcast by saying, our thoughts and prayers are with everybody who's affected in Israel, all the Jews who lost their lives and it's just a terrible thing to have happen. Anytime people go to war, people are invaded and, and you have this type of death, it's a terrible thing to have happen. And we should be thinking about those people, for sure. I mean, that's just that should be, that should be on the front of our minds, is, is people dying in needless violence, senseless violence, violence that is really at the behest of... Uh, radical, lost, wayward ideology, sometimes kings and kingmakers, political agendas. Same to be said with Russia and Ukraine. I mean, the, the, real after, the real afterthought about the Russia-Ukraine war and the continuance of it is all the, the innocent Ukrainian people who are on the, front, you know, on the front line of those artillery shells and they make Putin seem like the evildoer in that scenario, but we're not any, we're not any more open to peace talks or diplomacy ourselves. But Israel is a whole different deal. I mean, Israel really is a different matter completely, historically, and, and right now, you know. And um, my, my, my opening statement in the podcast was, despite the death, despite all the violence and, and the fear, T.J. Klein's in Israel right now playing. I gave my thoughts and prayers to the Lieberman family. I hope TJ flies home because no basketball career or season is worth being in, in that type of uh, danger um, and the danger of other people's war. Um, my opening statement is we cannot fight. A f we cannot go to war with Iran. We can't do it. We can't fight a forefront war on the Eurasian landmass without we can't fight a forefront war on the Eurasian landmass while 2.5 million 
undocumented illegal immigrants are pouring through our own border without giving up um, our remaining human rights and, and privacy <clears throat> to an all-out totalitarian global police state. It can't be done. We can't fight an old school traditional war on four fronts of the Eurasian landmass. And that's what it looks like it's, they're, they're lining us up to do. First it was Ukraine, now Israel's in. It'll be Kashmir, it'll be Taiwan. We'll be in a forefront war there on, in the Eurasian landmass. And how can we do it? We can't do it. You're open in thoughts. Well, I don't think we're gonna get a choice if we can or we can't. I think the people that are making these decisions believe that the United States can fight this war. They'll probably come out and say it's just one front. They'll just say it's the Asian theater. What are you talking about four fronts? It's all one. It's all one. Because, of course, the narrative is so curated and controlled. But uh, on September 10th, the head of Mossad, a guy by the name of Barnia, something everybody can go look at on uh, YouTube, September 10th, Barnia addressed an international conference, and he proclaimed that any attacks financed by Iran on Israelis or Jews or Israeli citizens would be met with attacks on Iran. I thought that was quite interesting. Now, of course, he's speaking in Hebrew. I mean, you can go see it. I mean, it's, it's posted. So the precedent is there for there to be a holding to the account of this tragedy, the Iranians. It's there. It's baked in the cake. We just haven't gone through enough of the prep work for, that, for we the people to understand what this game is really all about. Mm-hmm. And I mean, to me, it just seems quite evident it's about Iran, which is really one step removed for all the folks that were at Walmart shopping this weekend and shopping at Target and yeah. all these big box stores. You know, the, the ability of the Iranian regime to you know, prosecute its, its, its war, its terror war, is predicated on the support that it gets from China. I mean, it, I wouldn't say it's a client state of the Chinese, but it's darn close. It's darn close. They're selling their oil to the Chinese, and this is in violation of sanctions. The Chinese pay for their oil in RMB, circumventing the petrodollar. The RMB sits in the Iranian account, and then the Chinese sell finished manufacturing goods to the Iranians, and they recover that RMB in what the Chinese would call a good circulation. And the, the Iranian economy is so small, it's about a $358 billion economy. Just to put that in some context for the viewers and listeners, Texas is $2 trillion. So it's, you know, 15 or not even 20% of Texas's economy. It's just a tiny place. So it really is dependent on Chinese business and Chinese direct foreign investment and Chinese supplies to continue to act in this fashion. So why aren't we dealing with that issue? I mean, if we're going to go down to root causes, if we're going to identify that Iran is the root cause, it's really not the root cause. The root cause is the what's called the Iron Triangle, right. which is the alliance of Russia and China and Iran. They call it the Iron Triangle because it's unbreakable. 
So if we're going to get down. It's the realization. It's it's the three three country realization of McKinder's World Island Theory. And it's three countries that are uniting in an effort to throw off. The West. The dollar hegemony. Mm-hmm. And the what they would call American imperialism. I mean, that's just what it is. It's a Sino in McKinder's in McKinder's um, McKinder's World Island Theory. It was a, a Sino Russia, a Sino Russia Empire alliance. Was the greatest fear was the greatest fear of, of McKinder of, of McKinder. Right, right. And of course, if you go back in the history, Kissinger's opening to China was a way for to stagnate the, the development of a, a Russo-Sino right, to, to alliance. Buy the Chinese off, buy them away from mm-hmm. the Russians. Mm-hmm. And here we are, that started in 72. So here we are, what is that? That's 28, uh, 38, 48. It's 51 years later. Uh, it's come un, undone. The Kissingerian real politique has been undone. And we're facing we're facing an iron triangle of an alliance. Okay. Now, there are people out there. First of all, there's a lot of theories out there about this war, and I think there should be. I think citizens should be should be very skeptical of what they're told when they see conflict like this happen. Um, and there are there are multiple multiple theories out there about what's taking place and who's behind it. What's the motivation? Who's behind it? Who's pulling the strings? And I said in my podcast, um, it dawns on me that if the entire intelligence community, this was after we talked the last night, it wasn't last night, night before. This was after we talked. When we couldn't sleep. We couldn't sleep, yeah. I could, I, and it, it dawned on me though, after we got done talking, thought to myself, the, the brazenness of, of the, the storytellers in our day and age is astounding, to say the very least. I mean, the story is just so goofy. It really, it really reflects a, a, a general, uh, you know, thinking of stupidity about the American people, and really people anywhere in the world. Because to say that they were caught off guard in Israel because it was a Jewish holiday really undermines a lot far beyond Israel. And number one, I don't believe that Mossad recognizes Jewish holidays enough to trust that the Palestinians or any of their neighbors won't attack them. Because again, I mean, we just, we just observed Yom Kippur the Yom Kippur War, which I think validly instantiated Israel as a legitimate nation after its inception. You fight a war for a land on three fronts, you win the war, that's your land. I mean, it's been that way since the earliest days of, of mankind. You come to a territory that's unclaimed with another person, you fight to the death, whoever's still standing wins the land. Basic. Now, in this sort of post-United Nations, you know, kind of uh, post-conquestial society we live in now, you know, there's all this esoteric views about territory and who owns it and who doesn't. Old school is, you, me, and you, we want this this bone, this dog bone. If I kill you or you submit, it's my dog bone. Okay. 
But I'm just saying the Yom Kippur War was them being attacked on a Jewish holiday. I would not venture to guess that every Jewish holiday, there's not a high security alert there in Israel from Mossad and other national security agencies there in Israel. Them aside, all of the international agencies that claim to be surveilling <clears throat> international terroristic threats on behalf of the American people, which by extension is Israel, per our foreign policy, all of us were observing a, a Jewish holiday too. MI6, uh, Interpol, the CIA, the FBI, the Five Eyes. The entire Five Eyes was observing the Jewish holiday too. None of us knew. None of us saw 5,000 rockets being loaded in Palestine. <clears throat> and, if the, and if that's true, let me be clear. I'm not saying it's impossible that all these people were asleep and caught with their pants down. I think it's highly unlikely, but I'm not saying it's impossible. As the great Jackie boy, Jackie, Jack Posobiec said, intelligence communities are not as sophisticated as you think. They're like you know, little, little hipster, you know. Bunch of Yale graduates. Little bunch of hipsters, right? I don't buy that all the way, but I like Jack Posobiec. He's a hitter. I love him. Um, but I'll accept that maybe there's a radical incompetence that's widespread through the intelligence community. Fine. What I don't accept is the continuance of the Patriot Act under the guise that our intelligence is so sophisticated that these type of things won't happen. I think the House Republicans right now are going to show who they really are, who we all know many of them to be, per the last couple of weeks of, of, of political controversy here in America with Matt Gates. And in fact, I made myself text message Matt Gates and tell him to bring the resolution to repeal the Patriot Act completely because it's insufficient. It's failed. If Israel can get attacked, <clears throat> get attacked on a Jewish holiday, then, our, then, then the, the rights and privacy we've given up to the security state is a complete failure. It was wrong. Even, I mean, this is the, this is the big question, right? We can't give up our rights. We can't. I mean, the, you know, whatever the cause, incompetence. In, let's say there's gross incompetence. Mm -hmm. All you need is one competent person in that chain that allows all the incompetence to be at his or her direction. So incompetence is something to manipulate. Right. Right. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Great. I mean, and you know, I saw certain reports that the, Palestinians were able to exploit the AI that the Israelis were using to monitor the fence, that they understood how to frustrate those algorithms. Who knows? We're not going to know. What do we know for sure? We know that on September 10th, the head of the Mossad said, if you mess with us, we're going to kill you. And he was talking about senior Iranian officials. So the precedent has been set. The gauntlet has been laid down mm -hmm. for retribution. We're going to war with Iran. It seems to me that that would be a relatively safe bet. Okay. Now, the prospect of war with Iran, th this entire proxy war that's going down between Saudi Arabia and Iran is a peculiar one. 
And it's one that that really frustrates the post-World War II democratic liberal order. This whole globalism is a deterrence for world war theory. Because on one hand, you have faith, military, ideological differences. And on the other hand now, you have what is the supposed safeguard of economic economic incentive. Act- activity. Right. Tell me how, okay, for example, the BRICS is this huge economic alliance, right, that now includes Saudi Arabia and I- Iran by most metrics. And then you got rail and port. I thought about this after we spoke. You got the rail and port initiative, right? This this India, Saudi, Israeli, U.S. alliance to create a pipeline or rail system. Corridor. A corridor to Europe, to get energy to Europe and goods, right? Indian goods. Indian goods to Europe. It's a counter to Belt and Road, right? It's an alternative. So let's say the Chinese greenlit Iran to greenlight Hamas to attack Israel because this is a threat to the Belt and Road Initiative. It would seem that that would just galvanize those four nations in their in, in expediting the rail and port initiative. I mean, if you're gonna if the, if there's a four country alliance that now seeks to create an alternative to your initiative, if you attack the linchpin of the of the whole Western global narrative, <clears throat> it's going to rally those four countries around that that agenda. Who's, which country is the linchpin of that agreement? Israel. Saudi. I think the Saudi is the, the key in that, in that four. And that corridor is based on Saudi Arabia making a peace with the Israelis. And if we remember 9-11, what do we know? Those were Saudi terrorists. We know that within Saudi Arabia, there's not a any more congruency there amongst the leadership about how to proceed than we have in any of the countries of the world. Right. Our country's at odds with itself. I know that China's having a huge throwdown within its leadership. In fact, their minister of defense disappeared recently. Their poof, foreign affairs minister. Well, they have an interesting way of it. They don't have to worry about appearances. They just do. Your disappearance is all we need for appearances. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Disappear. So, there all over the world this 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 fight among the elites about what direction we're going to go here, mm. because the the thing that's making our analysis a little bit less interesting is we should all be figuring this out now. I mean, a, a modicum amount of time spent looking at this, we're coming to the same conclusion all over the world, and so are the people in government. People in government are saying what is my government doing? We're heading into a world war. All over the world, people are saying, hey, I have a family. I don't, this is not really a good idea. So within our government, I'm watching it in every element of our government that I'm involved with, which, you know, I have a particular focus in business. I can see that our federal government related to China in our Department of Commerce is at odds with itself. One part is saying, come on in, let's do business. We're going to lower our tariffs and duties and make it as easy as possible for the Chinese to do business here. And another group is saying, no, we're not going to let, we're going to harass, we're going to put up barriers, we're going to stop them. So we don't have congruence 
in our individual departments. Right. This is all over the world. So in Saudi, MBS, who is definitely a new generation, the youngest Saudi leader I can remember in my lifetime. I mean, the youngest of them were old. Sometimes they're fossilized, right? It's not clear to me that he has the the control over his country and its governance that we might presume that he has. So when Hamas acts in this fashion, it kind of backs him into a corner, not on the stage of world opinion, but when he goes to sleep at night, he's got people he's got to be paying attention to, right? Right. It's a different kind of governance. So I'm not sure that Saudi is smack that up. Has got congruence in how to proceed from this point forward because they have to deal with their with their population and with the different political constituencies in their own kingdom. But when I say Israel is the linchpin of the global narrative, oh, the global narrative is different than of that corridor. Right. That corridor is about Saudi reconciling with Israel. Right, but if you go and attack the linchpin of the global narrative, then you pull the Americans into a position where they have to do exactly what we're doing. We're sailing the, the Gerald Ford into the Mediterranean, and we're getting ready to back Israel's play by any means necessary. And no matter what they do, it seems like. Right. right. I mean, we don't know that uh, this whole play wasn't a repudiation of Israel, of the Biden administration, for the Biden administration recently given $6 billion to the Iranians in a prisoner exchange. Explain. What are you, what, what are you saying? Well, there's definitely a very pro, relatively pro-Iranian perspective in Europe and in the, shall we say, the left side of the uni party, which makes me wonder what the right side really thinks. Right? Mm-hmm. Because I only see one party. But the talking heads seem to explain that the Biden administration has blood on their hands because they gave this fungible money to the Iranians who then had the money to fund terrorist activities throughout the Middle East. Right. Right. I, you know, maybe the uh, Israelis feel a little bit alone. I mean, how sophisticated are these people? I mean, this is getting deep into the weeds, and I'm not saying they're not that coordinated, because to me, your average citizen couldn't imagine how coordinated certain people are and how far they're willing to go, even on the international stage. These are kings and king makers. They think in these terms. I mean, really, there is a, an ongoing war of nations or, or joust for position that always thinks in these broad terms of nation on nation and, and, and cause and effect and, and sort of this sequential nature of, of nation. This is who we should be electing, people who have that, that capacity to think in that way at least to get us out of the, the, the rabbit hole we're in. But so if China funds Iran, America or a certain faction of America is certainly pro-China. Then they're pro-Iranian. Then they're pro-Iranian. Then they're anti-Israel. Mm-hmm. Interesting, isn't it? Very. I mean, we're getting down into the bottom of the hole here where things but now are going to sail. Now we're going to sail... The, the Ford into the Mediterranean to back Israel's play. You know, when, when, uh, to justify the war with Iran. When we get down to the, to the end of the narrative, things stop making sense. The, the, the splits in the narrative start to show up. Mm-hmm. 
So then what is the congruence of all the narratives? The people that run the military-industrial complex are making a lot of money, and at the end of the day, we lose our freedoms. The rest of it is kind of a story, a diversion. At the end of the day, the military-industrial complex is getting stronger. Military affairs are dominating the world. Wars are breaking out everywhere. And in response to it, I'm going to lose my freedom. Because after all, if we have a this kind of terrorist... And you're going to probably lose your kids and your Social Security. That would be tough at my age. Yeah. We wouldn't want to lose the Social Security. Well, yeah. I mean, right. it's, it's, a, it's a threefer. It's, yeah. It takes you're, care you're of a lot of your freedoms, problems. Social Security, children. You're going... You, if, you get into a, if you get into a three-front war on the Eurasian landmass, you're going to a draft. Maybe that's why they're maybe that's why they're letting illegal immigrants in. Imagine imagine the level of American dissent there should be if we promulgate a Asia theater, a world war. And I, I said on my podcast, this is World War Four. World War Three was a silent war of misinformation. We lost that war. People all around the world lost that war. This, three people lost it. Three people lost that war. Hand over fist. I mean, we just bent over and took it. This is a fourth world war. In a fourth world war, America is going to draft American citizens and allow illegal immigrants to come in the country undocumented and live here freely? Or let them be members of the military in exchange for citizenship. Well, that's one solution. Well, it is, isn't it? Yeah. Or What, What a malleable group to acculturate into whatever yeah, the Yeah, but then all of your humanitarian leftist, yuppie, posh liberals are going to say they didn't, they didn't flee their country, their war-torn, desperate countries to become pawns in our war. Excuse me, what liberals are we talking about? Are these liberals that are back in the war in the Ukraine? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, so if you're going to support war, you know, with a little flag mm-hmm. on your social media post? Or in your front yard. Yeah, maybe you should think about actually picking up a weapon yeah, and yeah. going off to fight it yeah. instead of acting holier than thou and having other people die for your virtue. No, virtue is what we're doing. Yeah. We're risking everything to search for the truth. This truth-seeking media, the viewers and listeners see us kind of exploring this. I mean, we're not taking fixed positions because there's so much we don't know. We're exploring this very forthrightly and very honestly we know there's a limit to what our knowledge is but what we know in exploring beyond the media narrative qe bono who benefits on this particular issue we're actually being virtuous we're risking our our freedoms and our lives and we do know a great we do know a great deal q bono qe bono who benefits well who does benefit here the military industrial complex they sure do don't they? perhaps conveniently how fantastic is absolutely that? they benefit Absolutely, they do, and that's why I said the my if if I was if I was in the United States Senate right now, this morning, there would have been a resolution to revoke the Patriot Act, on the grounds that it is shown to be a systemic failure. It's a failure. You know, there's a difference between being uh, pro peace and pro America. We're not saying as Americans. There aren't things worth fighting for. Right. We're saying that these things at this time 
I'm saying this as a Jewish man. I'm going to get in trouble for this, of course. But what are we doing? Why is America getting drawn into this four-front Asian war, which if you can think of the Princess Bride, for the people that remember this, you know, never get into a land war in Asia? Looks like we could get into four land wars in Asia. I mean, why go halfway? Go all the way. <laughs> Quadruple down. From east to the west and yeah. from the north to the south. Yeah. We're living out McKinder. And, and, and whose play is McKinder? The crown. The crown. What do we care about that? Yeah. We're, we're, the, new, we're the new republic. We're America. Why yeah. are we, why am I involved? Why are we doing Europe's bitch work? As an American citizen, after getting divorced from these people, why, why are they back in the bedroom? We need a complete divorce from this whole European mindset. Which, you know, that's the end of MSNBC. I mean, I watch Morning Joe every morning just to see what they're thinking over there. That's an Atlanticist broadcast. That's a broadcast. That's a network, NBC, CBS, ABC. They're based on a certain formation of consciousness that involves the Euro-American alliance or the British-American alliance. Mm -hmm. You know, an unjust war unjust is using Israel as a puzzle piece in a globalized architecture. That's unjust. It's unjust to the Jews. Absolutely. I mean, First I, and foremost. Uh, well, yeah, getting used. No different than the black community being used. Using by blacks to steal elections. Same using blacks, period. Well, let's keep it, let's keep it local. Let, oh, keep it local. How about just using them? For example, I got a phone call last night. Out in my neighborhood, Minnetonka, oh my gosh, mm -hmm. there was uh, a crew of, uh, of uh, house invaders that came in. In the neighborhood, people, the people went crazy. You know, it's a... Uh, Get a gun, learn to use it. It's a racial issue. It's Get a racial a gun, issue. learn to use it. But my, my let, let, yes. But, but I want to get, yes. I want to get my point out. There is a righteous default here. Mm -hmm. But it would require a rethinking of how we see ourselves as American citizens. Are we American citizens that are devoid of the Judeo-Christian heritage of the Western culture? That we are involved in some kind of woke ideology, some kind of postmodern Marxist formation of thought? Those people are, want to see Israel burn right now. Well, Jews. Or, or, no, wait, Jews from within that. There was Jews that were protesting for the Palestinians yesterday all over the country. Horrifying. Well, or, or. Yes and no. Or, okay. or proceed. are we Judeo-Christian in our culture and that there is a spiritual religious tie to the Jewish people that Christian people want to honor and then protect because we're one family? I mean, certainly the Iranians, when they were in their parliament screaming death to America, they start, certainly see the great Satan as one family. For them, but it is. They, but were they saying death to America as as a genuine organic animus towards America, or as a proxy for Israel? The same way the Iranians are supported by the Chinese, the Israelis are supported by the United States, but less. The Iranians ain't playing around. They're calling death to the death to the fundamental root cause. They want the root cause destroyed, mm -hmm. and we might have a very. And we're very slow to even mention China. 
Well, in anything, let alone this. The root cause of so many things that are going on in the world is the Chinese hundred-year plan to supplant the United States mm -hmm. as the leader of global global governance. You know, we got a $33 trillion debt. What is that? I mean, we're out over our skis in so many different ways. We need to retrench. If we care about our citizens, if we the people care about our fellow citizens, our leaders don't seem to care. I mean, they're all in on every adventure they can get us into, every distraction they can get us into. And the images, the images that came out of Israel, for me, I couldn't sleep. I mean, I called you, it's 2 o'clock in the morning. I didn't expect you to pick up. You couldn't sleep either. Well, I think it's very simple for American citizens, or it should be very simple. Uh, I, I told you this on the phone. Um, it's interesting that the, the, the left, Democrat, liberal-leaning American citizens, and even Jews in some case, are in some ways in the same place that many of the anti-war right are on this issue, but for a completely different reason, right? They they don't they they see they see Bibi Netanyahu as an as a staunch nationalist uh, an Israeli nationalist and he's he's more of a nationalist political leader, irrespective of of Israel being a, a major linchpin of the global narrative and globalism you know military economic you know that whole deal, but Bibi himself is seen as a nationalist a far right nationalist, right or right of center nationalist leader. I so they reject him on that about, basis. Are we talking about the Jewish people? Uh, uh, yes, some Jewish you know, people on the left, but just Democrats and left-leaning people in general in America. I think they view him as a person who will not negotiate with the Palestinians. I mean, I think that's the... But they see him in the same echelon with a national, with a, we have a border, we're going to protect a border. Anybody who wants to protect a border... A militarist. Is, is a fascist of sorts. Now they won't call him a fascist because of the historical implications, but certainly the pro-Palestinian left movement views him within the colonial fabric well, so does of Western the, society. And so does the liberal leftist uh, Jews that don't believe in God. Right. They view him exact. They view him, I think, very similarly. Right. Someone that will not seek a two-state solution with the Palestinians, who has thrown in with the religious people of Israel a threat to women's rights, gay rights, kind of the post-World War II Democrat liberal order, Netanyahu is seen as a threat to that, yet he bases his whole legitimacy upon it. Double cross, triple cross. It is getting pretty and deep. And we can't, it? I mean, everybody, you can't trust, you can't trust BB either. He's sharp, smart, brilliant guy. Can't trust him. He's exactly what Vladimir Putin was in, in, in Russia. Be a great interview, the two of them together. Ex-spy, killer, assassin. His secrets have secrets just like Vladimir Putin's does. Who knows what he's playing at? Who knows what he's working? We don't know. My point is this. Everybody comes out and they says, and they've been saying in this weird mockingbird style for as long as this Palestinian and, 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 and Israel conflict has had airtime on television, Israel has the right to defend itself. I mean, it's a common like. I mean, I think you can go watch a bunch of mainstream. Why would anybody even say that? I mean, they actually have to 
reinforce the idea of self-defense as if it needs to be said. I know. I mean, that's just in and of itself is interesting. Before we go there, let's just go back one notch. Okay. I'm going to just share what I think. This globalized architecture is fractured. Fractured. You call it the four-person jump ball. I think I know where you got that idea, but I'm going to leave it. As a basketball, professional basketball player, it's a, it's a very apt metaphor. Uh, I think Bibi, Net, Bibi Netanyahu, who was in front of the United Nations but just about three weeks ago, touting Israel's great leadership in artificial intelligence. Because mm. Israel is a great leader in this area. I think when you start talking about this fourth industrial revolution, we're not quite sure who's going to emerge as the leader because it's going to be who leads on these technologies. So when you say you don't know where he's coming from, I'm going to posit my theory of the case. He's a little bit different than our leadership. He's a Jewish ethno-nationalist. Mm-hmm. He's interested in the survival of the Jewish people. One could say what's going on with the medical situation there in Israel. That does make one question what he was doing. But we don't know anything about the backstories. What we know is what I can say with a great deal of certainty, he has a love for the Jewish people. Now, how twisted that love is or what kind of twisted policies that come out in his effort to maintain his own personal brand and power and provide for the Jewish people, hey, go back and look up the history of the (laughs) Irgun and the Stern Gang. In, 19, in the 1940s. I mean, these people were willing to do some pretty skullduggerous actions to accomplish their goals. I think President Xi is very similar. I mean, President Xi is not down with globalism as it was formulated by Kissinger and by Brzezinski and by Bertrand Russell and by Galton. He likes the idea. He doesn't like the version. He just doesn't like the split mm-hmm. and who's running the show. But is he interested in the survival, the maintenance, and the growth of the Chinese people? I have Chinese friends all the time tell me that nobody in China wants war. No one. I said, come on, the leadership seems to. No. It's all a scam to them. They want money. They they are focused on the money there. That's their theory of the case. I think these ethno-nationalist groups are a little different than we are here in our multicultural society. I think their focus is on the survival. I think Bibi's focus is on the survival of the Jewish people. I think it's possible as much as he call, he was the first world leader to call Biden after the election, after that election, mm-hmm. he was the first person to call and congratulate him, the first world leader. Mm-hmm. So he clearly, no matter all the things that have been done for him in the previous administration, which included moving the U.S. embassy to Jerusalem, which was a bombshell, and the Abraham Accords, another bombshell. He was the first leader to call and congratulate Biden. Uh, Horrifying. Well, he probably... No, no. Post-World War II. The American people are going to accept it. The American military-industrial complex is, is fronting it. This is the way of the world. Now it's about the appearance of Israel's relationship with America. Well, what what's going to be the best? The for king these... is dead. Long live the king. That was that call. Yeah, but beyond that, what's the best for the Ukrainians, for the Israelis, for the Taiwanese? 
the defense of democracy, the third leg of the holy trinity of the globalists, climate change, social equity, and democracy. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of people in the, uh, I don't even want to label it anymore because the, the labels don't mean anything, but there's a lot of people, I would say both you and I would be in this, in this uh, camp. What are we doing getting involved in a land war in Asia? I mean, in other words, if, we're, if, I, if I am going to be vehemently opposed mm -hmm. to the war in the Ukraine, would I not also be opposed to the war, American involvement in a war in Israel? I would have to be, or I would be without principles. And that's what we have, of course, across the range of our talking heads and pundits. What, what I was going to say is, um, Israel, I agree with you, yeah. What I was going to say is, they keep saying, you know, Israel has a right to defend itself. It certainly does. It has the right to defend itself. And again, it's a huge indictment of this entire post-World War II democratic liberal order and the foreign policy in support of Israel and all the resources and time and energy from the military-industrial complex that has gone to fortify the West position with Israel if by now the Israelis don't have the militaristic uh, the, the advancement in, in their military and in their technology to defend themselves. If they don't have that capacity by now, then that means it's an indefensible outpost. And I told you on the, on the, on, on the phone, and I think this is a reasonable thing to, to put forward and, and we'll show where a lot of people are. Evacuate Israel. Evacuate it. Bring the Jews to New Jerusalem. Bring the Jews to America. God lives in your heart and your mind. It's not a place. It's not a place and a time. It's in your heart. It's in your mind. The Holy Land can be taken back later. It can be recaptured later. What can't happen if America's going to defend democracy all across the globe, what can't happen is what happened to the Romans. We can't spend all of our military resources defending some outpost that's indefensible and let barbarians sack D.C., sack Rome. And that's what happened to the Roman Empire. They got spread so thin, by the time the barbarians rounded, the, you know, gathered up and decided to storm Rome, there was nobody to, to, to fight them off. 2.5 million people undocumented coming through our border right now. And I know a lot of the leftists would say, oh, first of all, your people on the right would say, you're a Jew lover. You want the Jews to come to America. Then we're going to be taken over by Jews. You know, no Jews, no Negroes. It's like these people are working for the security state, number one. And there's a lot of them, an undocumented, unquantifiable amount of them which is scary in and of itself. Who knows how many real Nazis are out there? And why are we going to let globalists take us into a war against Nazis on behalf of Nazis and against Muslims on behalf of Jews? This is crazy. This is wild. The great scam. This is wild in a, the linchpin of the global narrative. Well, the great scam is our, our progressives. But I wanna, I'm going to finish this. I want okay. to say evacuate, evacuate Israel. Evacuate Israel. Bring the Jews home. And there are some people who would say, well, you'll let, you'll let Jewish refugees come from war-threatening Israel or, or Middle East, but you won't let undocumented illegal immigrants come from Guatemala. 
There's a significant difference between being pot committed. We are pot committed in Israel. Would you agree? Yes. Pot sure. committed. Nuclear, nuclear nation. All on the bar. Iran's nuclear nation. Pakistan, India, nuclear. Taiwan, China, South Korea, North Korea, nuclear. The entire Eurasian landmass is a pot committed position for America. We're pot committed in Israel and to the Jews now. We signed up for it. That's what it is. We'll take an IOU, IOU from the Europeans because most of them came from Europe, like your family. We don't see the Europeans lining up to, 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 uh, to have a counter, a counter response on behalf of Israel, do we? Is Germany and France and, and the entire European Union, are they the first response or are we, are we sailing the, 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 uh, the Ford into the Mediterranean? We're right behind you, boss. That's, that's their story. Right? Right. Okay, this is where they came from. This is where the, a lot of the Jews who live in Israel came from Europe. Why can't they go back to Europe? And I'm not saying they should. I'm saying we'll take them, right? Because the number one thing is to be able to secure our position, retrench, right? And, and it's way different to let Jewish refugees into the country because they have a sophisticated and very, very um, thorough documentation process for their citizens. Well documented. Every Israeli citizen's well documented. Okay. Letting them into the country and letting 2.5 anybody's from anywhere is a completely different prospect. And we should do it. Where'd you come up with this 2.5 million number? I'm just curious. That's the estimate of how many undocumented uh, illegal immigrants will come through this year. I heard, uh, I read the New York Post, the New York Post. It's one of the estimates. Said th what's Really, it's 3.5 million. Well, great. Maybe it's but seven. It could be 15. Maybe. There's yeah, no who knows? One, who knows? Who knows? We won't. If you we, can't stop them, you can't properly document well, that's the, correct. the amount. And you know, the, the, the horrifying thing about this is, is we may find out quite shortly here that we're involved in this war, whether we like it or not. There may be all kinds of what foreign do you think actors. About my, what do you think about my idea to evacuate the Jews? I think it's an idea. I think, it's, I think any novel ideas that get put on the table as a alternative to genocide are ideas that are worthy you know, of consideration. It's not, it's not a, look, look, it's not about that, look. They, they, full retaliation, fine, fine. Moral hazard, if you, moral hazard if your strategy is we're going to go door to door and purge Palestine of Hamas, right? Like you said earlier, can't be done, because well, it can be done. It's just gonna, no, it's gonna no, see, be. You can't, yeah, well, for genocide, it's genocide. That's because how do you identify? If you could identify Hamas properly, then you wouldn't have got attacked. If you with, had, um, right, if you had that kind of intelligence, what's this whole scam about with them coming through that wall? Right, right. And if you looked at the films, the films that I saw, the first thing that ran through my mind was these people aren't Palestinians. I mean, when I, when I looked at the films of who some of the hostage takers were. They didn't look Palestinian. They were not Palestinian. They were They not were Africans. Maybe they were from Yemen, Yemenis, or I don't know where they were from. But Or you look at our own border and you start to think, I thought all of the refugees were coming from Central and South America. These people look African. These people look African. Not all of them. Not all of them on those films, but there was, there was a mix. There was some of them in there. There was a mixed cultural group. Right. Which is strange because, of course, the Palestinians 
are an ethno-nationalist group. To the max. So if they're letting in mercenaries, this gives fuel to the fire that the Biden administration gave the Iranians fungible monies because, of course, the argument is they can't use the money except for humanitarian issues. No, if they know the money's coming, they can spend what money they have on whatever they want to. Is it possible they bought a mercenary army? Yes, it is very possible. Very possible. But if you're going to buy a mercenary army, how does that escape the detection of our fine security state? That brings up, there's a lot of, there's more questions here than there are answers. Of course. And, and, but that's the position, again, Israel, look, retaliate. Retaliate with the full force. Reasonable force, but full force. They can't retaliate with full force. There's 160 hostages. Look, America's longstanding, America's longstanding policy is we don't negotiate with terrorists. Well, we just paid $5 billion or $6 billion to get well, back you five could, people. Well, you can make a good argument that that individual is not necessarily it's beholden so, to American ideas. It sounds great. We don't negotiate with hostages well, for hostages. We don't negotiate with terrorists. Seems like we do. For a very good reason. We don't negotiate. We don't negotiate with terrorists because you become slave to terrorist take uh, to hostage takers. That's. I mean, that's that's the thinking. So we should let those write off those hundred plus people or whatever the number is, and just say casualties of war. Well, how does one decide who lives and who dies? It's a tough thing to decide. Well, it's very simple. If Israel goes in there with full ferocity, they're going to die. Right. Right. But how can you trust the Palestinians? I mean, if there, this is the thing. Okay, this is another important point. If these people are pure ideologues, these people hate Israel on an anti-Semitic basis alone, which is strange because they're Semitic too, right? Cousins. If they hate Israel purely on an anti-Semitic basis, then they're not going to negotiate. They wouldn't negotiate. And if they do negotiate, then the hatred is not purely ideological. It's political. Well, there's a difference between who's running the show and who's carrying the What guns. I'm saying is if it's political, then that lends to the theory that there are other players behind it that are pushing the chips, that are pushing the pieces. Because purely hatred, Osama, and, and as, as, as violent and as extreme and radical as the terrorists get, Osama bin Laden being the, being the poster child of the modern era, even he was negotiable. Right, because didn't they? He was a CIA asset okay, in the nineteen eighties. Another example that it was political, not ideological. So this whole narrative that you can hear on Fox News about Muslims being this extremist ideological threat feels like a bullshit story. These people are political, and they're political pawns that are for purchase, that are for hire, and they're using Islam as a cover story, and by us providing cover, saying that it's an Islamic ideology alienates other Muslims from, from this divide. It creates another cultural divide. And then you got a lot of people, the number one Muslim population is in where? Indonesia. The Muslims in Indonesia are sitting there going, what? How are we getting, what, what are we talking about? We're not, all of you get your goods from here that are supplemented from China and some, you know, made in China, but it's really, you know, made in Indonesia, but it's really made in China. What's wrong with we? We're in on the deal. What are you talking about? We love we love globalism. We love the you know they just we had, love the West. They had Klaus Schwab was just in Indonesia holding court 
few weeks ago. I didn't even know that. You see what I mean? It's just when you start to see it, when you have eyes to see it and ears to hear, you start to realize that the corruption is far more profound than people give it credit for. But people want to go the other direction. They want to simplify it down and go, you know what? The, the Palestinians have been oppressed for too long and it was just time to throw down. And, and, you know, and Israel was sleep that morning and the entire Western intelligence apparatus was, you know, observing, observing the, the Jewish holiday as well. Come on, guys. What's going on here? What is going on here? You well, know? we can go to facts that we know. We know that that corridor was recently proposed less than a month ago. Mm-hmm. We know that within the last month, MBS was interviewed by Brett Baer on Fox News, where he said he was working out the terms of a peace treaty with Israel. This was within the last month. So I I have to say that the, the ethnic religious hatreds are a convenient cover story for some very obvious realities. I'm going to smack that, that bug. I can't believe it. Can't take it, huh? Go ahead, keep talking. Oh, good play. Got it. One shot. Miyagi. Got it. Danielson. Well, you have to get the chopsticks out for that. Now. Nope. <laughs> nope, not Chinese. Good enough, right? Black men don't use chopsticks. Just, uh. <laughs> I, think, I actually do. I, think, I actually can use chopsticks. I think that's a t-shirt. I don't. That's I don't, a t-shirt. Black men don't use chopsticks? That's correct. That's a great t-shirt. That's a great t-shirt. You just, you just witnessed a, a, another t-shirt idea right there. That's correct. I actually can use chopsticks. I'm just I, I I refuse I refuse to use chopsticks to eat noodles or rice. When I ate sushi and I haven't eaten sushi because I've been having a little minor seafood allergy that turned into a big seafood allergy in the last year, so I'm just done with sushi altogether. Um, but I eat sushi with chopsticks, but I will never use chopsticks to eat noodles or rice. That's too that's too conforming. It's too assimilating to Chinese culture. I'm not doing it on principle. Well, there are some good parts. Is sushi even Chinese? Maybe it's Japanese. It's both countries do okay. it. Okay. You know what the Chinese will tell you is everything the Japanese have except lion is Chinese. Mm. I mean, you know, all the good things came from China and all the bad things, lion and militarism and Bushido, that's all Japanese. Bushido's great. Not to the Chinese. They were the victims of the Bushido, right? Mm. But there's great things about Chinese culture and the food culture is one of their strongest plays. No, it's not. I think so. Oh, hell no. You don't like Chinese food? No, they eat those. They eat that, you know, I mean, Africa man, fuck monkey, Asian man eat bat. That's Chinese racism. I'm talking about Chinese oh. Chinese cuisine. No, they do have wet markets. It's just that no, no, COVID didn't come from one. But they do have a wet market culture. We don't have in America. You know, you don't it have. It was a very dirty thing don't. to fricassee insects and take frog. You know what I saw a video of? Yeah, I saw a video of a, of a skinned frog, a beheaded skinned frog body. Yes, um, uh, over a bowl of what looked like uh, some type of some type of noodle or something, yeah. to noodle and, and parsley type of yeah. soup, and the 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 water was boiling, and they had the frog on chopsticks, and they dipped it into the boiling water, and the the the, the meat cooked. The meat, the, the, the body still reacted to the heat stimuli. And the leg jumped, like getting away from the water. And I just thought to myself, who the fuck eats frog like that anyway? I didn't even think about how weird it was to torture an animal that was already dead by sticking a, 
a nerve, a nerve responsive uh, stimuli carcass into boiling water. I didn't even think about that. I just thought, who the fuck eats frogs anyway? You know, I mean, the, the French. I don't trust them either. Yeah. I mean, that was a setup. I'm, 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 yeah. was a he setup. knows me. Yeah, that's that what he's doing. Setup. Yeah, I'm equal opportunity with my prejudice. Yeah. Well, and I think we're right to not trust the Chinese, the CCP, and I think we're right to not trust the French as well. The food culture there, and the food in Paris let's sucks too. Just, let's be honest. Let it, as a matter of fact, it does. Yeah, it does. Yeah. I was very happy to find a hamburger when I was in Paris. Yeah. I mean, the place is driving me nuts. Yeah. But the food in China is great. If you can set aside, you know, monkeys and monkey balls and how do you know what tortoises. you're getting? How do you know what you're getting? Quality control. It's like getting a Chinese electronic. You don't know what you're getting when you sit down. No, to if eat. you if you if you bring it on home close and personal, the quality control is pretty good. And I'm going to just tell you, Chinese food, Chinese food, is based on a philosophy mm-hmm. that we would be well informed by here in the United States, which is the philosophy of balance okay okay it is that's one way to look at it well i'm just telling the you. the other way is nobody said you had to eat monkey balls a part of the chinese philosophy is informing clout you know you could look at the chart you know chicken before the egg cart before the horse when it comes to davos and china who's following whom this has nothing to do with it we're talking no, no, about no, traditional chinese where culture. do you think where do you think eat crickets came from who were the first people that told us you could eat a cricket you know what if you're eating, they weren't eating crickets in europe there's no cricket. There's no candy, chocolate cr- for cricket markets in, you know in, what? in Berlin. All that aside, that's fine. I don't want to eat crickets. How many Jews you know sit down to Shabbat and eat fried fried locusts? Pretty soon, quite a few of them just give it some time. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. <laughs> Unless we get the American citizens to become delegates, right? That's <laughs> what, which is back to the Dan Schultz podcast. Right, right. No, the 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 food the food culture in China is very healthy. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I like it, and I like the idea that they, you know, these are people that carried swords with them every place they went right. and knives. Okay, right. they didn't want to have metal touching their lips, so they came up with the wood chopstick idea as a way to make a difference between the sword that I carry to cut your ass and the food that I'm gonna. You know, why have a knife on the table? It's a weapon, after all. There's nice things about their culture. There's I there's a lot of nice things. Whoa. There's a lot of not nice things. Let's not. Yeah, one it's of just them. like Israel. There's a lot of nice things about that culture. There's a lot of things that are not good. For example, rounding up two million Muslims. For example, mm-hmm. there has been legitimate criticism of the way this issue has been handled, going back to 1967. You mean in Israel? In Israel, mm-hmm. in 1967, and I was quite conscious and quite proud, that was when the uh, Israelis really consolidated their hold on Israel. Maybe they consolidated their hold for the legitimacy of Israel in 73, but the country was consolidated in 67. But going back to 48, they practice what is now known as ethnic cleansing. They work to move the indigenous Arab population off the land. And they did it with terror. I mean, that just seems to me to be facts that can't but are be questions. There, are, are there rules? And this is what I said earlier. Yeah, un, look, look, I don't have a dog in this fight. I'm an American nationalist. I'm not an Atlanticist. 
and and respectfully, I'm not a global citizen. Okay, I mean I'm a son of Israel, so that's for all of us Christians. We are sons of Israel. Well, that does make it a little complicated, doesn't it? It it does, but it doesn't. It well, if you move from an illegitimate argument to a legitimate argument that actually has a moral standing. Yes, because the concept of globalism only has a moral standing as long as you believe in globalism. Yeah, but a lot of but a lot of the sons and, and daughters of Israel in in their in their love of Israel are yet and still very anti-Semitic. It's a weird weird love hate relationship. Maybe this is the moment when these things are going to get clarified. I think it could. It That'd could be. Good. be. They, you Bring know, the Jews to America. Show how much you really love them. Well, would they come? And the answer is no, they won't. But to make the offs, oh, they're coming already. Some will come. They're some, coming already. Some will come. They're leaving out of there right now. They're boarding planes. They're getting out of there. They know. Look, leave before the bread rises. The Jews know. There, there's some of them leaving. There's gonna be are some hardcore ones that that stay, and they have a right to fight their honorable, sacred honor war for their piece of land. What does that have to do with us? What does that have to do with us? What are any? What is anybody going to do in the world who are fleeing tyranny if America implodes because we fight all these wars? Doesn't there have to be like, and when you were a kid and you played tag, there was a thing called home base, right? And yeah, you were safe. You were safe. Right. Yeah, right. If, right. if America implodes through chaos by being the protectorate all around the world, where can anybody go for safety? Maybe that's the uh, end point. And the goal of the people that want to see America implode, that must, that must be the end point. That is the end point. That's what we're facing in the American, what are we calling ourselves the American nationalists? What are we, America firsters? Who are we these days? I'm an American citizen. I like that. Clean. Yes. American citizen. Yes. American citizens movement. And I agree Let's with you. Let's go the other way. I'm ultra MAGA. Well, I'm an anti-globalist. I think Ultra Mag, I said on my podcast, I think America great again. You know, this whole idea that comes from the Marxist postmodern, you know, democracy, social equity, and environmentalism, university the, academia. Right. The whole idea is any, any reverence of an idea, the, uh, any reverence for a time and, and thinking about America's history that was good is a symbol of white supremacy, racism, and and slavery. Um, this is a weird reading of history. We abolished slavery. <clears throat> it's over. Done. It got morphed into a new form of slavery. We get that. There's wage slavery. There's going to be technocratic slavery. I get it. Slavery is a sort of, uh, you know. It's a moving target. Moving target. No doubt. I got it. But the slavery that's referenced in the historical analysis is gone abolished to go back to an america that believed in a nation of shopkeepers in the second amendment as a as a bastion against economic imperialism is a beautiful idea so when i hear make america great again i'm going back as far as you can possibly go when i say great again self-governance i don't know when people why don't when they say again and this is what the left does have you ever heard this tanner the left when people say make america great again people on the left go when was it ever great? Make it great again. When was it great? You must be talking about going back to slavery. And they use the fact that the national nationalist movement is overrepresented by white guys to make the claim that it's a call to go back to 
slavery and racial, you know, racial segregation, which in some cases it is because there is racism in, in the in the right side of the conservative movement, as there seems to be in the right side of the political movement all around the world, Ukraine, for example. But it's weird that the Ukrainian right and the, the American left are tied at the hip. Isn't that, isn't that uh, yeah, interesting? It's weird, but not unironic. My point is, um, there was a time in American history, there were ideas in American history that are beautiful, useful ideas. And a nation of shopkeepers fortified by the Second Amendment is a great idea. Let's go back there. That's all I'm saying. We can figure out. We can, we can figure it out, and we can win a war, and we could potentially become a global superpower again, right? That's active, I mean. Not that we won't be a global superpower, but that's active on the global stage. We can't do it right now. We're dying to death by a thousand cuts. Everybody sees it. We're all just watching the ship go down. The band's playing. Right, the band's playing. Uh, you know, the the band is you know, play that funky music, white boy, while we go down. Right, I mean, this is the end scene of the Titanic right now. Let me ask you a question. It's a great song, the Ukraine, by the way. Play that funky music, white boy. At least if we're average go white down, band, average white band, great band, white supremacy, average white band. They're average. Every average white man's a white supremacist in these people's minds, but they love that song. <laughs> Okay, go ahead. I got a question for you. <laughs> We're giving, of course, the numbers are funny. Mm -hmm. Let's say we've given $200 billion of support to the Ukrainians. We gave it to them. Mm -hmm. That means I have to work to pay it off, not the Ukrainians. And what am I working for? I'm working to pay money off that was given to the military industrial complex. In other words, our government bought arms from our arms industry probably a 30 or 40% profit. And it was shipped over to the Ukraine mm -hmm. and the Ukrainians got to use it no charge. Do I understand that correctly? Absolutely. Okay, would you be okay with the Israelis buying weaponry from our country? Absolutely not. Okay, please expound. War for jobs? What do we do? War for war for war manufacturing? I'm not saying war for jobs. I'm saying if they got themselves with back up against wall and they're running out of arms and munitions mm -hmm. and they're willing to pay for supplies, cash on the dash, do we sell it to them? No. Then why do we have a military industrial complex? That's the question. That's the question. Well, that is the question. That's the trillion. That's the thirty-three trillion dollar question. There you go. Okay. So then, the only thing we really need is what we need for our own defense, right? And what is that? What are we defending? I'm willing to bring all the people of Israel here and defend them here, but as an extension of American citizenship, not as an extension of being a global protectorate. So you're talking about a radical restructuring of our economy. If we're going to put Actually, up money to defend people, I put up the money to transport and defend them here as a net positive for the protection, overall protection of American citizens writ large, not as some outpost of a fallen Roman Empire. I just want to make sure I get this clear. Mm -hmm. What we're saying, what you're saying is that if they get their back up against the wall and they can pay for arms and munitions, you're saying we don't need to be involved in that as the American citizens. We don't need to be the storehouse. We don't want an economy 
that's based on producing weapons of war. What I'm saying them. is we no. What I'm saying is this: we've all if if the if the Israelis if Israel's back is against the wall, we've given them so much support, so many munitions, so much aid over the last sixty years. If they don't have enough now to defend themselves, then the entire military industrial complex support of Israel up until this point is now exposed as a complete Ponzi scheme against the American people. So what would more munitions do? If you don't have enough now, I mean, what, what was happening in the last 60 years? We need a forensic accounting of our aid for Israel. Because I thought we've been, we've been su supplying them the whole time. Where are the, where are the missiles? Where are the receipts? With all, how much money do you think we've given to Israel for 60 years? Oh. Just give me a round ballpark number. Ballpark number. 60 years. Um... Look it up, Tanner. Look it up for us. How much, how much American aid has been given to Israel since Since, since day since, one, since, since 1948. Net figure. Let's say it's a trillion dollars. Gotta be. Okay. A trillion dollars, where, where's, where'd it go? Well, one thing that Bibi Netanyahu did, which was quite interesting, is he took a moribund socialist economy, which was the root of Israel, right, right. Zionism is socialism. It's not Judaism. Let's just get that on the table for all of our newcomers. That's a nice way of you to say it. Mm -hmm. Very nice. Zionism is not about Jewish. It's about socialist. It's about Marxism. It does not create a very robust economy and creates a lot of dependency. So the United States really was Israel's protectorate, and Israel was completely dependent. Let's see. Whoa, Israel is the largest cumulative recipient of U.S. foreign aid, the largest. Until February 2020, the United States had provided Israel $150 billion non-inflation adjusted and bilateral assistance. Non-inflation adjusted. Okay, that's a non-number. So we're it's up, a trillion dollars. It's close to a trillion. Okay. Because we're going back to 48, 56. It's, to it's 60. $3 trillion. I don't know what the number it's is. It's big. Why don't you see if you can get a, an inflation adjusted figure? That's what you want to ask for. The, the point is that I'm trying to make is Netanyahu really disconnected Israel mm -hmm. very significantly from the United States in the 2000 period because he liberalized, liberalized the Israeli economy and reduced the socialist aspect of the economy and you know increased nation of shock, shopkeepers. Mm -hmm. Although the shops that they opened were all fourth industrial revolution technologies, of, course. of which Israel is at the forefront of. Absolutely. Going back to what I said, I'm not based on in everybody. Cyber So wait, you mean you mean to tell me? Wait, 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 wait a yeah, second. Yeah, I'm telling you exactly. You mean to tell me? Yes, I do. That the Ham the, the the Hamas radical ideologue extremists terrorists are so sophisticated in their counterintelligence and their counter cybersecurity that they thwarted the number one cybersecurity nation in the entire world. Apparently, they did. You know, I was born at night, not last night. Come on, guys. Hey. We can only go by what we know for sure. I know one thing. Ain't no ain't no street Hamas terrorists uh, got better cybersecurity or counter cybersecurity than the, than the Israeli military. Generally speaking, when you take a bucket loader, a front end loader, and drive it towards the wall, 
that's going to get picked up by a satellite. So we saw how the wall was breached. They Maybe used, not. Maybe the satellite system's a fugazi. Maybe they're lying. It's not there. Maybe they. Maybe none of this survey. This is what I'm saying. Well, this could go down as the greatest robbery in the history of the world. This is what I'm saying. Maybe, and I told you how I feel about the nukes. We'll talk about that a different episode. But listen, it's completely possible that the the integrity and and the the um the integrity of of the entire military infrastructure is is half is half ass is half a bullshit story. It's half a fag, right? Well, let me tell you what we know for half sure. Half a fact. No. I meant not half a fag as in a homosexual. Half but, a fact. But building on that con- concept, there's like a thousand Israelis got killed that we know of. We're up close to a thousand. Mm-hmm. These people didn't have guns. I mean, their, their belief in that system was so strong that they were walking distance from the wall and they were unarmed. Thought they were safe. They thought they were safe. So somebody sold them a bullshit A caution to us here in America. That's more than a caution. That's red light on. We're on our own. For whatever reason that it happens, green light on, red light on, we don't know what happened. But we know the result was a lot of people got slaughtered and they were unarmed. They were not armed. My vision as an American Jew, Every Israeli citizen should be carrying a Desert Eagle, right? I thought they were because they were at that's one time. That's how they're portrayed. Well, that's, that's how they're portrayed in media. That's correct. You know, you see those black hats, you know, the rabbis, and they got the, the Uzis. Uzi. Yeah. Uh, and under there. I love that. Apparently I not. I love me a black hat with uh, Uzi. Apparently not. Apparently not. Apparently that was bullshit. However, well, the, but no, the black hats are probably carrying Uzis under those black robes. It's those posh, liberal, you know, rave uh, attendant, upstart victims. settlements, uh, you know, uh, development projects. Maybe those development projects are there because the price is right on the real estate and on the uh, loan for the construction. They were pretty nice houses. Maybe they took a lot of people down there that really didn't understand the implications of the choices that they were making. What is this? Two hundred and fifty billion. That's on. The, that's low. on. The, that's on the record. Seems low. That's to on me. the record. Who knows how much black bag money we've given? Well, not only that, you know, you take a young Israeli kid and you give him a full scholarship to Harvard, and he goes home a quantum computing PhD. What's that worth? We don't know. We don't know what it's worth. I guarantee you, Hamas has an opinion about it. Well, their opinion seems to be kill everybody. Yeah, and you know, so and again. Now the the plan is to go door to door in Palestine, and and cleanse Hamas out of there. I mean the whole cleanse. That's a very strong word you're using there. Yeah, that's what they're saying. Cleanse. That's what they're saying. Like ethnic cleansing. Yeah. There's two million people live in Gaza. Yeah. How are you gonna do that? You can't. You gotta well, kill every one of them. Well, you could. You could kill enough of them, to, uh, enough of them to whenever you feel satisfied and, and that order is restored, that they got the message. Well, BB came out today and said he had to restore deterrence. Deterrence. How do you deter people that are willing to die? You're actually playing into their narrative. Well, maybe that's a cover story. It is. They just want to kill them. Or maybe that's a cover story. Well, you know, this whole idea that these Muslims just want to die, again, this is this boogeyman kind of mockingbird 
narrative that the mainstream media has played. If all, if two, if if a billion Muslims, if any sizable majority, if any sizable minority, if ten percent of a billion Muslims, because that's kind of the number. Actually, they say that almost the Fox News sort of conservative right um, thought process on radical Islam is that eighty percent of Muslims are radicalized. By theological. That's doctrine. what they say on Fox News. In that, in that, elk. I haven't watched for a while. By, by the numbers have gone up quite a bit. By theological doctrine alone, that eighty percent report to believe in Shia law. Is this after they have alcohol and uh, chase women? Sharia law. I'm sorry. If a hundred million, if fifty million Muslims believed in dying for the cause, they'd win. They would. They would have won last year. They would have won ten years ago. So obviously that's not true. That's not true. That's right. So in Palestine. So in basically what we're doing is, is we're creating divisions no different than the alpha news type people are breaking apart here in Minnesota. Oh, yeah. The, let's show you black let's show you black guys stealing stealing uh uh golf clubs out of the back of day. SUVs. A mugshot of Let's day. show you a, nothing nothing to get a pearl clutching Republican. Pearl clutching Republicans' panties in a bunch than showing six black guys stealing golf clubs out of the back of a Volkswagen. So what you're saying, and I want to just emphasize this, there's a very consistent media effort made to separate, let's call it the post-liberal democratic population, from a population that believes in God. Mm. That's an irreconcilable difference. We can't, you mean, is it just 80%? Does that mean that 80% of them believe in God? And just because they believe in God, they're radicalized? That might be what they mean. And of course, my own anecdotal experiences are irrelevant in the, case of, in, in the face of such barbarity. But I've always gotten along quite well with Palestinian people. And I've gone out of my way to do so my entire life. Found them to be very educated, kind, thoughtful. Well, I'll tell you one thing. We got a big Somali population, and, and I completely reject the the farce that Ilhan Omar has put on as a House representative and as an American citizen in general. But I get along great with the Somalis in Minnesota. I told you, I'm not so sure the Somalis are even voting, voting for Ilhan Omar. Everyone I meet says they don't like her. And the Republican Party of Minnesota that almost has a, a systematic effort to organize Against the Somalis, which right. I which I have personally witnessed, I have I have had four Somali men tell me that they would vote Republican, and they are in fact voting Republican this time around because of Donald Trump, but have traditionally not voted Republican because the Republican messaging is very anti-Somali. Very, not just messaging, action, actions are being taken. And it's because of the Sharia law and their faith in God. Their act, their act, I mean, I have been the witness that I've been told personally that their God and their religion is dangerous to America. Oh, that's the entire conservative. What people are going to be saying in the chat right now. And I'm not saying that it's not. I'm not saying that Muslim doesn't. Are Islam the same people saying that uh, Jewish ideology is dangerous to America? Probably. Okay. Oh, and Christianity as well. Well, why not? Soon enough. So then what we're saying is if you believe in God, you're a danger to America. Soon enough. 
And anybody who is believes that that's maybe, not coming for Christians is lying to themselves. Well, you know, that would be, They're the same people who believe that these people caught Israel off guard because it was a holiday. So the Jews were the beta test. Then came the Islamic religion, mm -hmm. Islam, and now Christian religion. So really the tie between those religions is they believe in a monotheistic God. And what agency is the tie right now? What governmental agency is the tie to all three religions? Go ahead. Department of Homeland Security, NSA, CIA, intelligence community. Um, so what we're saying, radical Muslims, what terrorists, we're, what we're saying, Christians, terrorists. What we're saying to the, you, Doctor Zevzelenko, terrorists. What we're saying to the audience, what we're saying to each other is, there's a there's a very concerted effort to marginalize these communities and break them one from the other so that they can't organize. Mm -hmm. And I think this is really the, the tragedy of what's going on in the Middle East, is there are efforts to reconcile. There yeah. are efforts to bring these countries and these people together. Yeah. So this, this terrorist event is going to definitely derail those efforts for some period of time. And of course, just like the United it's undoing, States. It's undoing what, what Donald Trump did. They're still working on it. Well, this is. The Abraham Accords. If you take a look at America's response after 9-11, which was a way over the top, way overblown response. I mean, it was ridiculous. 9-11. Yeah, people right. were seeing red. Right. People were in the gap. They were gapped out because the towers had come down. Right. I think I read that this, this event is like 40,000 Americans losing their life on one day. What would America do if 40,000 Americans died on a single day? What would we do as a country? We'd go to war, drop a nuke, probably. Would we know. drop a nuke? I don't know. Depends on who's in power. Hopefully we wouldn't. I mean, the real, the real issue here is, is that the people of the world, the free people of the world, not our technocratic leaders, which seem to be doing their own thing, and they have their own divisions going on right now. But, but why would Jews and Christians be at odds with each other? Scripture. Doctrinal uh, dogma. Yeah. yeah? Who wrote that? Who, who interpreted the dogma to make everybody hate each other? I mean, are, are we going to at some point as, as free citizens of the world stop hating each other? I mean, well, they, well, they'll, but they'll make the same argument. The, 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 the place you get into is when spiritual matters and matters of faith become the center of the focus. It goes to a place that is naturally abstract. And they'll use that same abstract argument to make a very non-abstract point, political point. That then why not let all of the why not let all, every refugee in? If you're if you're saying that if you're saying that Muslims and Christians and Jews should come together under a more hum, hum, humanitarian accord, then why don't we let the people from Guatemala come in uh, document free? It's all just one big kumbaya, right? Well, knowing the history of Jewish migration in this country, there's a good argument for that. There is a good argument for it. Right. They're letting the Guatemalans come in. All of them, because they're, they're living in, in horrible circumstances and they're trying to come to America. But I don't ever remember this kind of undocumented entry. Right. And there, that's, that's where the line, that's where the hard line is. No, I mean, I'm not saying that they're... <laughs> We're not saying we can't have immigrants. 
We want. We can't say that immigrant. We're not saying that immigrants are are net negative. Who are these people? But undocumented. You gonna let strangers come live in your house? I mean, it's one thing to let a cousin who's on crack and and down in the dumps come live in your house, and I probably wouldn't let that happen. But how about his six friends? Come on, his six friends without him. Right. He's not even. He's not even vouching for him. The, the thing. The, Come on, well, who's vouching for well, these again, people? If you look at it from a, a perspective of conspiracy theory, mm-hmm. you know, let's say these people are not coming here to become Democrats. Right. Let's just say that. Right. Maybe that was maybe that was a diversion. Maybe they're just military age males. Maybe we are under invasion. And what will tell us that is. If there is a war against Iran and there are Iranian agents that have come across that border and we start to have terrorist events all over the United States of America, what happens to we the people? What's the response to the government? Which you can predict will be draconian because the people will scream out for protect us, protect us. So it'll be another erosion of our rights, our freedoms. So you're saying... Let the undocumented illegal immigrants come across the border knowing full well the potential of them being terrorist cells or other organized crime cells that will cause violence and ultimately justify martial law. Perfect way to, of, of, that solves a lot of problems for a group of people, doesn't it? Solves a lot of problems. Freedom of movement problems. Right. Target.com will become a non-issue because nobody would be driving anywhere. Right. But look what just... Walking anywhere, let alone driving. You could say these uh, Palestinians were illegal immigrants. They came across the... They knocked the border wall down, and they came across. They didn't come across to immigrate, but they came across unrestricted, and they came across with evil intent for the citizens of Israel. What can we learn from this? How can we let people we don't know into our cities and our countries? What, what a failure that is of, of we the people. Right. So this is your comment about if there was 50 million Muslims that really were willing to die for the cause. Are there any American citizens that are willing to become delegates and involve themselves? And vote in, or, or, or and be involved in politics for, for their citizenship? To save their families. And that's my point to Fox News. I mean, you jerk-offs can, can run that gamut all you want. It's, it's slowly but surely. And I guess we're in a race race against the clock. We'll see if their stupid, pathetic narrative holds up against people waking up. I guess, you know, God, inshallah, as the Muslims well, would say. Well, inshallah, but the point, <laughs> it, but the point God is. God willing, we, we wake up. The narrative of, is falling apart in the next step. Well, now we'll see, how, we'll see how quick it's falling apart. I still don't, I don't understand how after Tucker Carlson was, was given the boot from Fox, how it even still exists. I can't. I don't understand how it didn't go bankrupt, unless the same banking cartel is holding up Fox as a as a controlled opposition to run the narrative. Other than that, I don't see who who's listening, who's watching, who's watching and buying uh, infomercials, uh, uh, infomercial dollars. Uh, I, who who's how how are they justifying their existence? Who's still watching after the biggest television star in America gets the boot in a very public? publicly controversial way and and at the detestment of its of its audience or maybe their their narrative is still working 
Maybe it, in fact, is actually still working. And most Americans believe that instead of becoming better citizens, that they should uh, sit around at chicken wing parties and talk about how dangerous Muslims are. What was the football attendance and what was the football market share on television yesterday? Huge. Well, then it's still working, isn't it? Maybe that's a scam. Well, it's part of the scam. I went to the mall. No, I mean, maybe that many people aren't watching football. Well, that I don't know, but there was certainly football on television. I was watching Amy Klobuchar. Amy Klobuchar was actually tweeting during the game about the game. I'm, you know, I'm a no. She was tweeting about the Vikings, and the score was tied. You know, she was using the Vikings as a as an endearment, a tool of endearment to communicate with her constituents Mm -hmm. here in Minnesota. Great. So it is something that's going on. Mm -hmm. I mean, the narrative is still very strong. And why is it strong? Even among people that I know personally that follow me closely, that know what I have to say. To take it all in and confront it, you got to give up your sleep. You got to give up your sanity. You might have to give up your familial relationships. But how close does it have to get? Well, it got pretty close for those Israelis, didn't it? Yeah, and the Jews all around the world, right? Well, for me, I I mean, I'm the horrified. I mean, I'm regardless of my political. If you're a Jewish person in America. You're not safe. And you see the people coming across the border. You're not safe. And southern border. You're not safe. How do you sleep at night? The only way you're safe is if you're self-governing. That means you're in charge of your own health and your own safety. That is not really typical of the modern American experience. But it's something I'm working towards. I'm growing my own food as much as I can. I mean, I'm, I'm self-governing as much as I can. But those Jews that died like that, why it's so triggering for people of my generation, mm. they were unable to defend themselves. They were slaughtered. Mm-hmm. It evokes the real impact of the Nazi experience for the community, which leads to an immediate justification of deterrence. And it is an indictment. If there's one thing to be said that, that I said on my podcast, there are white lies and black truths. White lies are little insignificant lies, quote unquote. There really are no insignificant lies, but more or less you get what I mean. Black truths are telling somebody the truth with malicious intent, right? I'm telling you the truth, but I, I know that a, a certain outcome is, is, or I tell you the truth, but it's not meant to inform you to do something righteous. It's meant to invoke a certain emotion. And that's what, that's what Fox News is doing with Islam because it, it is an indictment of Muslims, uh, it is an indictment of Islam and Muslims that they would take women, children, and elderly and kill them or rape them. There's no holy war. There, there, are, there are righteous and holy wars. There are divine wars. I've said that before on the show. There's no holy, there's no warrior or soldier for God that takes women hostages or children or, or the elderly and kills them. There's nothing righteous about that. So that is a real indictment. And don't tell me, don't give me an excuse that the Palestinians have been oppressed and, you know, this is a response. Okay, well, then you kill every military-age male that you encounter. You don't kill women, children, and then when you show that lack of, of, uh, of, of restraint, it's an indictment of your own cause. And it really goes to ask the question or beg the question of, you know, where are other Muslims at? on Now you'll have other Muslim nations that, that, condemn these attacks and 
I'm sure Saudi Arabia already had their PR going as we condemn these attacks. No, they didn't actually. Actually, they uh, they actually condemned Israel. Really? That's correct. The Saudis condemned Israel. The Saudis came out on and, what on what grounds? Because oppressing the, the Palestinians. Oppress, yes, they they they, they oppressed oh, the Palestinians. Oh fuck the Saudis! I, I, I tell I, I tell everybody they've been playing both sides. You can't trust these people at all. Well, of course you can't because in their own literature, in their own, in their they better, own. Yeah, I won't even say that. The problem with the Saudis is in the four-player jump ball, the Saudis got all the cash. They're in the di- Put a fifth player in there. They're not, yeah, they're not in the jump ball because governments supersede people with cash. Very, very obvious to me after listening to Netanyahu at the United Nations. Government, he but wants think, the Israelis think, to be in the jump ball. But wait ball. a second. Governments supersede individuals with cash because they print money. But at the lower rung of politicians who actually affect po- individual politicians, the cash can play, right? Because it's like a short-term versus long-term. Some men see long-term power. They're true kings made by true king makers. They're not enticed by petty cash because they can wield the power of the apparatus and that gets them off. Some people want cash now because I like cocaine and hookers, right? There's a difference in the type of men that lead. So the Saudis can play the money with some people which makes them very dangerous. They want to win. If it was me, I won't even say it. I won't even say it. We'll save it for another time. I think that's maturity. Some things don't need to be said. The Saudis better watch their fucking step. They're they're playing a dangerous fucking game. It's just like these people that have come across the border. If they're as embedded in these millions of people, people that are going to take terroristic acts against United States citizens, the citizens have to remember how it happened. Mm. The citizens need to remember mm. that there was a thousand Israelis that were unarmed. Why were they unarmed right on that border? On the border, that's, at the wall. That seems really strange, doesn't it? I mean, that takes... No, it's, it's, a, false, it's a false belief in the effectiveness of military and It's a complex. false belief. That's yes. the key. Let the narrative unwind. It's a false sense of security. So we need more security. It's not enough. Ultra security. We need more. But not military industrial security because that security obviously doesn't work. No, but it could work if we just had more of it. That's going to be the argument. No. No, I'm not saying it. No, oh, I'm that's going to be the argument. That's going to be the argument. We just need more security. We just need more security. No, you, oh, need, Israelis, a, you need more bullets and guns. The Israelis certainly believe this. You Israeli would have, the Israelis, these Israelis would have done well to have an idea, a certain constitutional idea, like let's say well-armed militias. I can't believe it happened like this. You'd think everybody would pull out a gun and start shooting No, back. I thought they were all IDF trained. Aren't they all military trained? Apparently not. Which is another cautionary tale. Another scam, Fugazi in the in the in the global. Well, net. they were, but how were they trained? Doesn't trained every in, Israeli? I hey, there are there are people. So it's not really attacking there are innocent people citizens. in the IDF. Okay, that are badass. Of course, and they're gonna let those boys loose. No doubt in Gaza, but apparently there's quite a population of folks. Are, I mean, what? I want to go to raves on Shmini Atzeret. Well, let, 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 let's let's see again. Let's do the and numbers. And on Torah. Let's do the numbers again. Yeah. I don't care how bad the boys are in the IDF. And I know there's some bad, some killers in there. I know some Krav Maga, some Krav Maga, Krav Maga practitioners. 
I know some some special forces trained guys in, in from from Israel. Respect them, love them. They're killers. Don't get me wrong. But when you're faced with a two million person insurgency within your borders, there ain't no there ain't a motherfucker bad enough. There ain't a motherfucker bad enough. Well, which reflects that it's not really two million right. Hamas terrorists. That's, that's correct. That, that proves the conversation, the point you were making. Because a smart man who's tactical and military trained is going to assess the level of threat first. First thing is sheer numbers. All right, can this be achieved? How can I go door to door in Gaza with two million, with two million well, armed that would insurgents? Seem, that would seem to indicate, a la the conversation we were having before we went on, that there must be, in that two million people, a majority of people that just want to have a life. They don't yeah. want to give up their life for this fight. Yeah, they want to run their shop. Yeah, they want to self-govern. Okay, and let, now to close up here, let's talk about the air raid scam, the air raid warning system scam. That BB BB this morning, you know, he says, "Get out, get out now, flee, flee," because we're coming, right? Mm-hmm. And you said before we got on the show, where are they going to go? Where are they going to go? No and th- th- that's a common. There's no place for them to go. That's a common. That's a common. That's a terror-inducing. That comment. is a common narrative in the entire Israel-Palestinian conflict. That missile strikes. This ain't the first time that skirmishes broke out against Is- between Israel and Hamas or Hezbollah. This stuff goes down all the time. And the common narrative is, well, we let everybody know before we do a missile strike. Okay, number one, if you're letting your enemies, if you're letting the citizens know, you're letting your enemies know, which would, which would, um, which would. Allow them to escape. Allow them to escape. Yeah. Kind of a perpetual problem then. Because every, you know, you're playing crush the cockroach and you're giving them <laughs> 30 minutes to get out of, get out of town. That's not what they're doing, number one. A lot of people argue that that's not really what they're doing. That's not what they've been doing. Even so, you put the warning system, the siren, the air raid warning system, where are they going to go? Where are they supposed to go? There's no place for them to go. They can't cross Israel's border in either direction they're or they get control. gunned down. They're under control. So you can't, they, they, there's, they, you can't warn them to go anywhere. And, the, you know, you know and this is how, if Hamas is really in there terrorizing these people and using the Palestinians as cover to run their ideological extremism, certainly Israel has provided all of the tools for them to do so, right? Because the West and the left and the Jewish Democrats and everybody else who's, who's pro-Palestinian, they use that very obvious logical deceit to say, how are you telling them they got to get out when the missiles are coming when there's nowhere for them to run to? I mean, these are the things That's that make... That's kind of cruel, actually, isn't it? Oh, you know, oh. It's terror. It's sadistic. That's terror. It's it's sadistic. Yeah, we're going to tell you right now we're coming and killing everybody so run. if you can get out, run. Run. And you can't run. Run into a, a firing line. It's ridiculous. That's that's terrible. Let's bring the Let's bring the Jews to America. That's my final shot. What do you got? Well, I think a lot of Jews probably would want to come to America. Bless, blessed, blessed is the peacemaker. I think that's at least at least it's an idea that doesn't involve ethnic cleansing or forever war. Because really, what is Israel? Israel is the sine qua non of a forever war. 
That war has gone on there since the moment that country was put in place. I wonder if the people that supported Israel becoming a country knew that they were going to set up the predicate for a forever war that would be regulated by the United Nations. Because that's really what it is. It's, a, it's the linchpin of the globalist architecture. It's a forever war. And all of those wars are adjudicated and regulated by the United Nations and the Security Council. It's, it's, the, it's the model for all of the forever wars. Now, the Ukraine can be a forever war. That would mean war is peace. Again, we can theorize, and it's good to do so. It's prudent to do so. It's prudent as an American citizen to just try and think about these things. Think out of the box. Think out of the box try and so, so that you don't take a, a, a fast food politics with French fries meal, a, a, a story from Fox News or, or MSNBC. It's prudent to think outside of the box. As far as American citizens go, it's very, very simple. We cannot fight a forefront war on the Eurasian landmass and incur a 2.5, 3.5, maybe 8 million undocumented invasion of, un, of, of undocumented illegal immigrants here in our own country. With a $33 trillion debt. With a $33 trillion debt. And, and the, the ever-present that threat of another pandemic. We can't do it without surrendering our remaining rights and freedoms to a global totalitarian police state. That's the bottom line right there. We can't do it. We won't do it. We're not going to do that. That's the, the entire reason we have Free People Radio. That's why we're doing the podcast, is to share with our listeners and our viewers our firm belief in human freedom. That is the cornerstone of the entire enterprise of being a, a living human being. Mm. And it seems quite evident to me that all the forces that are now starting to surround us come to one conclusion. We have to give up our rights for our safety. It wasn't enough for convenience. It's our safety. In Israel, guaranteed today, the citizens of Israel are dependent on their government to protect them. Guaranteed. Cautionary tale for the citizens of Israel who we send our thoughts and prayers to as they go through this chaotic and violent turmoil, but also a cautionary tale to the rest of you American citizens out there. Your government cannot protect you. Get comfortable with the idea now. It's not a call for anarchy or, or a, a breakdown of law and order. Your government is proving on a daily, weekly, hourly, yearly basis that its claims and promotion and propaganda, that it can protect you and you can sit at home and, and twiddle your thumbs and, and, and fatten your pockets and, and you know dabble in your vices or whatever it is. When push comes to shove, do what you want. Hey, you're 40 years old. You got hair on your knuckles and on your back and on your shoulders. You want to dress like a woman? You want to put a pink spaghetti strap dress on? Fine. You're an American citizen. We're not here to revoke the rights of American citizens that are protected by the Constitution. Short of uh, stealing, raping, murdering, defiling a child. Uh, uh, Have at it. Do what you're going to do. That's part of being an American citizen. It's our job as Christians to evangelize these people and pull them away from sin into God's grace and mercy. You're a citizen. You get to do what you want. But for the love of God, 
for the love of God. Your God even. I don't know. You pray to some uh, some omnisexual uh, pagan God? For the love of your God, please don't let MSNBC or Fox News for that matter tell you that your citizenship is safe, that you're safe, that your citizenship is in good health under this administration or any of these global uh, political oligarchs. You know what you're asking people to do? Really? Beyond all this political? You're just asking people to be human beings. We're encouraging the full development of human capacity that is inherent and innate within every human being. What does the government do? It makes things truncated within my humanity by providing me things conveniently, like heat. So instead of chopping down a tree today, I got heat at my house. Somehow, you know, tree chopping got a bad reputation. Actually, I like to cut wood. You like cut? You like playing with an axe? I like it. We might have to go back to doing some things. Back to the basics. Back to the basics of just being a human being. We're really arguing about what it is to be a human being. And they love to sell you a. They love to sell you a Ford, uh, a Ford pickup truck by showing you a man with an axe, but they don't want you to be one. Yeah, that's kind of kind of crude, isn't it? Well, it's kind of it's kind of homoerotic. I think what you're asking people to do. But I want to redefine it as not that we're saying, look at this evil government alone. Look at who we can be as human beings. Right. Look at the glory that we have, the the feelings of um, integrity and fulfillment we come from being free. What would have been really cool, although you know, no violence and death is 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 cool, so to speak. But would have been what would have been empowering for free people all around the world is when those Hamas terrorists paraglided over that, that festival and those... None of them got to touch down because everybody pulled out those, all that weapons. Those Israeli shot citizens... Him in, shot him in the air. Up those Uzis. Right. And, 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 and isolated or neutralized and, that threat. And I want to say, and for those that didn't see it, you can find it, the scenes of the revelers running away, which kind of looked like uh, zebras running on the... Serengeti Plain, mm -hmm. that set back the self-image of Jews back to the Nazi period. Mm. Because the, the psychological benefit of a strong Israel has been that we all feel ennobled and empowered by the sacrifices of the soldiers, the Jewish soldiers that kept the country free. Mm. So to watch those people run like that and see this kind of slaughter, it's psychologically going to have an effect that will be visited onto the second and third generation. We need to defend and provide for ourselves. And that includes becoming a delegate, voting, being involved in the parties, taking our self-governance seriously. Look what's happening when you don't. You get slaughtered. Really a hard thing for me to watch. We didn't really talk about the psychological aspects of it. Mm -hmm. Oh, it just, it just reinforces the need to be free. We'll make sure we go shooting this week in, in light of that. The okay. great Professor Penn, ladies and gentlemen, I appreciate you being back. We're running over time. The great Professor Penn has other pressing matters. We're sure to get you back in the studio as this story develops. Thank you. Because it's certainly not done. If you haven't already, go to the Professor Penn podcast, subscribe, like, comment. The Professor Penn will be covering this topic tomorrow, I'm sure. Tuesday night, 9 p.m. Central, maybe 7.30 p.m. Central, we'll decide off air. 
And, and I'm going to tell you, when you go, we have a beautiful website, freepeopleradio.com. Mm-hmm. Everyone, please come and be a member. We're not doing this to make money. We don't want to go bankrupt. Any way you can help us, we appreciate it. Now, Royce is a little hesitant to make a comment like this. I know it. I am not similarly afflicted. I'm asking for everyone to please support Free People Radio, freepeopleradio.com. We need your viewership, your membership, and your support because we want to bring you more content like this. Absolutely. Every time we get together like this, we're just tickling the audience with Hebrews, which is intended to have some comedy. Unfortunately, this is not a very comedic day. That's right. This is a day where I want to just say I'm torn apart inside, couldn't sleep. I want to thank you for taking my phone call at 2 o'clock in the morning uh, in my house. Mrs. Professor Penn was saying, please turn the television off. Please, let's go to the store. I couldn't do it because for me, this is the uh, involvement with my survival that has existed for me since I was born. Because I am, in my own mind, struggling to survive. Thanks, Dave. Thank you for being there for me. Well, we appreciate you. We appreciate the time. We appreciate your wisdom. We appreciate the podcast. Um, yes, as far as freepeopleradio.com goes, we do now have the patron platform up and running. You can go to freepeopleradio.com, go to the Donate tab. You have four options there to donate. Patreon, which we know is dangerous and always a threat to be deplatformed. So we provided a few other options. In the future, these options will be um, separated into different types of involvement with the podcast. Some will be basic donation. Some will be exclusive content. That'll be locals.com. Those of you in the conservative movement who are familiar with locals, it's a more of a content community and platform. You'll get exclusive content and one-on-ones, Q&As, live sessions with me and Professor Penn and the other Free People Radio contributors. Um, Donor Box is one where we'll set up a tier system for people to be involved, such as conversation moderators, call-ins, people that can actually be involved with the podcast on a more personal level, questions, topics that you want us to cover, things like that, merchandise suggestions. Um, And the final one is Subscribestar where we plan to have certain NFT type of uh, digital uh, memorabilia, that type of thing as well. On all the platforms, you'll be able to subscribe uh, and donate as a basic member, you know, $5 a month if you like the content and you want to just help the cause. But there will be special sort of uh, um, amenities to, to each platform that are unique to them. You'll be helping us build this community. If you decide to we go. We don't want to get rich. We'd like to break even. Yeah, and breaking even is a is a task that we could do right now with the audience we have as we continue to grow the audience as well. Um, if you see this episode today, you'll notice that it's a um, no. I'm sorry. My next episode, you'll start to see episodes that have a white background. We want to color code things so you guys can understand what type of uh, episode you're getting within the Please Call Me Crazy podcast format. Um, on Mondays, we're going to be doing deep dives. This Monday, we did a deep dive, but with a guest because it was relevant to do so. Um, so our guest episodes will be the yellow thumbnail. Our deep dive ex- episodes on Mondays, most likely most of the time, will be white backgrounds. And our, our Wednesday news coverage will be the black backgrounds. Also, the Royce White show is coming soon, Saturday night. Maybe this weekend if we can get it done, possibly Probably next weekend, 
Maybe Hebrews, we got Hebrews is out there. Hebrews is on the is yeah, on the we deck. Can, on we the can dash. find some. We gotta find a, a space where we can do some comedy. We certainly couldn't do it today. Yeah, no. And I tomorrow know. on Professor Penn, I we know. are going to cover this uh, event in great depth. I want to thank the audience members that go back and forth. Yeah. It's great. Thank you for having me, and I look forward to coming back. Yeah. It's a very difficult subject today. Hebrews is great. FreePeopleRadio.com, the Professor Penn podcast, Professor Penn. Thoughts and prayers to people with it in Israel. Thoughts and prayers to TJ Klein and, and Nancy. I know Nancy's probably worried sick. I'm gonna give her a call here to make sure how, see how she's doing. Um, plenty of people that I that not only Professor Penn and, and people who are I, I know personally, but but plenty of basketball players who have played in Israel. Um, Amari Stoudemire is is a, a dual citizen there in Israel, I believe. Um, so he he also is a part of the Big Three family. So our prayers and thoughts and prayers go out to, to anybody who's affected by this and anybody in Palestine or anybody in the surrounding area that's going to now be a victim to needless violence. War is usually a war between kings, kingmakers, and, and political elites, not, not people, not citizens, and, and certainly not free people. So thoughts and prayers with everybody. Thanks for your viewership and listenership today. And in the future, the fight continues. Godspeed.